We are concluding tonight our teaching series on what is known as the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed is that confession of faith that's nearly 2,000 years old that Christians literally around the world affirm as their doctrine of faith, even Baptist. And so we've been making our way through that because I think it's so crucial in the time and the day in which we live for Christians to, first of all, know what we believe, and number two, why we believe it. And tonight, we're going to conclude the teaching series with that statement, I believe in the resurrection of the body, and I believe in eternal life. Well, if you have your Bible tonight, if you want to go ahead and find 1 Corinthians in chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I've not had the opportunity to meet you. Let me first of all introduce myself. My name is Alan, and uh, one of the pastors here at Church of the Island, and just so very glad to be back with you tonight. As you're finding your place there, I want to share a story that probably you may have heard. It's a, it's a very well-known story, kind of an antiquated story, but it's a story about a very wealthy man who lived in Baghdad. And he, on one occasion, he sent one of his servants to the market to gather some things. And while at the market, the servant ran into death. And uh, in his experience with death, he, he came back and the servant was panicked and, and uh, had this frantic look about him. And his uh, master, the very wealthy man, said, uh, what happened? What's wrong? And he said, well, I was at the market doing shopping and I saw death and death gave me this, um, this very judgmental, very aggressive look and, and, and I'm, I'm scared for my life. And so I, I need you to give me a horse and let me ride out as fast and as far as I can. And I believe that if I can leave now by late tonight, I can make it to Samaria. And so the wealthy man said, of course, take my best horse, take my fastest horse, and, and good luck to you. And so the wealthy man made the decision for he himself to go to the market, and he went to the market, and there was death. And he said to death, why did you give such an aggressive gesture and look to my servant? To which death responded, well, it wasn't an aggressive look, it wasn't... It wasn't in any way that. It was more of a surprised look. I was surprised to see him here at the market because I have an appointment to see him in Samaria tonight late. <laughs> it's a very old story that just illustrates the fact that we're just always running from death, seeking to escape death and wanting to deny death. I don't know if you've seen the latest statistics on death, but one out of every one person will go through this thing called, called death. The early Christians, the first church, were a bit confused about what happens when a Christian dies. Just before the ascension, after the resurrection, Jesus promised that he would return. And so those early Christians were, were waiting for his return. And some of the Christians, because of persecution, some because of old age, they begin to die. And they begin to question, did we miss the return? Or what happens to a Christian when a Christian dies? So the Apostle Paul is, is writing to the church here in 1 Corinthians 15. Last Sunday morning, uh, or last Sunday, Easter, we studied the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that deals with the resurrection of Jesus. And the latter part of the chapter deals with our resurrection. 
And so Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, and if you would just stand in the honor of the reading of God's word, I'll read beginning in verse 50 out loud. If you have your Bible, you can follow along. You can also look at the screen as I read it out loud. Paul says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated as we do every Sunday evening as we gather and just study the scripture together. I want to invite you to take a pencil or a pen, maybe one of those pens in the chair there. And you may want to do as I so often do. I, I write in the margin of my Bible just some particular notes. It may be that you have some notes that you want to take maybe on your phone or uh, your device. But we just want to talk about those things tonight having to do with Christians, those in the faith and about death and about the, our own own resurrection and about eternal life. And what I want to just lay on your heart tonight are just three very simple truths about eternal life, about our own resurrection. And the first truth is just simply this. Not every Christian will experience physical death. Not every Christian will experience physical death. When the early church was gathering and as the Christians were beginning to be persecuted and face great difficulty and trial and, and many of them being, being tortured, they began to wonder what happens? What happens when a Christian dies? And, and, and have we missed the return of the Lord? And so Paul's writing here and he's giving them a picture. The picture that he's painting here is that whether you are alive when Christ returns or if you die and you experience the resurrection when he comes, we are all going to be changed. He says we're all going to be changed because the, the perishable cannot inherit the imperishable. Uh, these, these mortal bodies can't inherit that which is, which is eternal. And so the picture that he's painting here is that of a seed that is planted in the ground. When you plant a seed, that which comes out of the ground has a different structure and has a different appearance. If you were to plant an acorn, for example, the oak tree looks nothing like the acorn that's planted in the ground. It has a different form. It has a different appearance. It has a different structure. And so what Paul is saying that for the Christian, you need to understand that when this change occurs, we're all going to experience the resurrection. We're all going to experience the change. Now, there's a 
parallel verse, a parallel passage that goes along with 1 Corinthians 15, and it's 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4. So I want to encourage you to kind of hold your place here and find just a few pages over 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4. Or you may want to do as I did. In the margin of my Bible in 1 Corinthians 15, around verse 50, I wrote in the margin, see 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4. And we're going to look at a couple of verses here. Verse 13 and verse 14. I love how the NIV translates this. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. This is the Christians who have, who have died. So that you don't grieve like the rest of mankind that has no hope. There's probably all of us here have, have been to funerals. Because of my profession, because of, uh, of, of who, who I am and, and what I do, I often do many, many funerals. In fact, I conducted a funeral yesterday afternoon in Westmobile. A man of faith and an elderly man, but a man who walked with the Lord. And, um, and so I have done funerals for saved men and saved women. I've done con conducted funerals for those that were lost that passed away. And their family members lost. And there is a radical difference a radical difference uh, when there is a lost person that dies and the family is lost. They have no hope and they're grieving in such that there is no hope. And so Paul says, listen, I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want you to be uninformed about those in the faith that die. I don't want you to grieve like the rest of this world that has no hope. The very next verse in verse number 14, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And so Paul is talking about what's going to happen. What happens to those people who uh, have died? Well, Paul is very clear. He says this is actually coming from the word of the Lord, the Lord himself, that when the Lord returns... In the clouds, in the air, he's going to bring with those, those that have died in Christ. Now, let me just kind of pause for a moment, and let me talk about various theories about this. There is one particular theory that seems somewhat prevalent about um, something that's called soul sleep. That when a person dies or a Christian dies, that their just soul just kind of goes to sleep. And your soul awakens in the return of the Lord. It's kind of a, a, a lot of folks do believe that. Um, but I want to say to you that, that I just believe absolutely the scripture teaches, even the words of Jesus himself, is that when a believer dies, his spirit immediately at that moment goes into the presence of the Lord. As a matter of fact, let me just give you a little scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 8, it says this, We're confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. A quite literal translation is this, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We, we just, the last couple of weeks, have been talking about and really honoring together the, the suffering and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Well, you remember when Jesus was on the cross, when he hung on that cross, remember what he said to that thief? Today, you will be with me where? In paradise. 
And to think about the, the story that Jesus told. It wasn't a parable. It was a story of the rich man and Lazarus. And he says Lazarus was in the presence of the Lord, right? And so I just absolutely believe that when a child of God dies, his body is placed into the ground, uh, but the spirit goes to be with the Lord. And when the Lord returns, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, he's going to bring with those uh, that have passed. Well, he goes on to say this. 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4, in verse 15, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, because here's the question, what about those of us who are alive, who, who haven't died when the Lord returns? What about us? He said, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. I love that. There's going to be a shout from the Lord. The voice of the archangel, the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So what's going to happen? And here's the picture. Is the Lord's going to come from heaven. There's going to be this shout, this command from heaven. Uh, the, the trumpet, 1 Corinthians 15 says, in the twinkling of an eye. And the dead in Christ will rise first. So as he brings those that have passed away, those that have died, there's going to be a resurrection first of their bodies. And then the Bible says, we will not precede those, but then we, the very next verse says this, verse, um, uh, verse 17, and after that, we who are still alive and are left will be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And so the Lord's going to descend from heaven. There's going to be a shout, a loud command from the Lord. There's going to be the trumpet sound, the twinkling of an eye, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Uh, they're going to get a head start. And then the Bible says we're going to meet them in the air. Now the question is always is, well, why do they get a head start? Well, it's quite simple. They have a little further to go. They're six foot under, amen? They, they need a head start. And the Bible says we're going to meet them in the air, and we shall be with the Lord forever and ever. Well, there's a key verse that I want us to kind of think about here, and it's back to verse number 50 in 1 Corinthians in 15. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And so that's why he goes on to say that these perishable bodies, uh, we have to take on a new body. We have to take on something different because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Think about um, many years ago, some of this may be before some of you were even born, but m many of you, most of you remember the Apollo missions where we sent men to space and sent men to the moon. Well, when they went to space and when they went to the moon, they had to wear what? A spacesuit, right? Because our bodies, these flesh and blood bodies, are not meant to live in space, are not meant to live on the moon. In fact, when Jesus was born, he was given an earth suit, and he wore that earth suit, but after the resurrection, he took on a heavenly suit. You and I currently right now are wearing these earth suits, but in the resurrection, we're going to be given new bodies. Why? Because, again, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. 
Well, he tells us this in verse number 51. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In other words, we're not all going to die, but we all will be changed. In other words, if the Lord returns, then we'll will be changed. We won't die. We won't taste death, but we will all be changed. Now, a mystery is not something that you can't know. It's just something that hasn't been uh, known until now. And then the next verse in verse number 53, for the, or, or verse 52, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. So the Lord's going to descend from heaven. He's going to issue this shout, right, this loud command, literally. And I've always wondered, well, what is, what's the loud command? What's he going to say? Well, there's only a couple of times in the New Testament where the Bible tells us that Jesus shouted or Jesus issued a loud command only a couple of times. One of those is at the resurrection of Lazarus. Lazarus, his dear friend, died and had been dead for several days. Jesus arrived on the scenes and his, his sisters are crying and weeping and they said, oh Lord, if you, would have, if you would have just been here, your friend, our brother, wouldn't have died. And Jesus just simply told them to do what they could only they could do, and that is to move the stone away from the tomb. And then the Bible says that Jesus issued a loud command, Lazarus, come forth. Now, he had to say Lazarus because all the dead folks would have come out. Amen? <laughs> he just called one, Lazarus, come forth. And you know what happened? Here comes Lazarus. He was all bound up in his grave clothes. I believe that when the Lord descends from heaven, there's going to be this loud command, this shout from the Lord, church, come forth. My children, come forth. I don't know what he's going to say, but I think it's going to be something like that. Maybe he's going to say, church of the island, come forth. There's going to be a loud command, a trumpet. And then I love 1 Corinthians 15 here, in the twinkling of an eye, there's going to be the dead in Christ are going to rise, and then those of us who are still alive and remain, we're going to be called up together with them in the clouds. It's going to happen so rapidly. The scripture says in the twinkling, of, not a blink of an eye, the twinkling of an eye. Now, the twinkling of an eye, scientists have determined that the twinkling of an eye is the speed of light between the iris and the retina. That's the twinkling of an eye. And scientists have determined that is one-sixth of a nanosecond. You say, well, what in the world is a nanosecond? Well, I had to look it up. I had to Google it. <laughs> in order to understand a nanosecond, you have to understand what a microsecond is. A microsecond is one millionth of a second. That's a, that's a microsecond. A microsecond is one millionth of a second. A nanosecond is one thousandth of a microsecond. That's the twinkling of an eye. 
It's going to happen so quickly. The Lord is going to shout. There's a trumpet. And in the twinkling of an eye, one-sixth of a nanosecond, we're going to be called up together in the clouds with the Lord. Well, what are, and this is the question that you have, what are these bodies going to be like? These resurrected bodies that you're going to have and, and I'm going to have. Well, we don't know a lot about it. We just know this. We, we know that he says in verse 50, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But what, did, what was this body like that the Lord Jesus had? Well, it's interesting in Luke's gospel. When he appeared before the disciples after the resurrection, they thought he was a ghost. They thought he was a spirit. In fact, in Luke, it actually says this in Luke chapter 24 and verse number 39, Jesus says, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me. See, for, for a ghost, a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Notice that he did not say flesh and blood. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But he said, hey, flesh and bone. As a matter of fact, you may find this interesting. After the resurrection, Jesus never talked about blood again. He offered his blood. In fact, just one drop of that rich royal blood that spilled out on Calvary was enough to cleanse all mankind of their sin. But after he shed his blood, he never spoke about it anymore. But he talked about flesh and and bone. He says, feel me, touch flesh and bone, but a flesh that is imperishable. I don't know about you. I'm looking forward to those new bodies. Amen. Amen. Looking forward to them. Uh, yesterday we went over to the beach and celebrated my youngest son, Connor, his 23rd birthday. And we were laughing because he, he's pretty pale and he got a little sunburn. And uh, we were reminded of when he was probably about five or six years old, about kindergarten. And uh, we didn't put enough sunscreen on him back then, and he got a little sunburn. And uh, three or four days later, we, we were telling the story last night. He came out of his room early that morning, and he was walking a little bit like a zombie. His, his skin had begun to peel on his arms, and he kind of came out with a little panicked look on his face. Connor, what's wrong? He goes, I'm coming apart. I'm com and the truth is, we're kind of coming apart, aren't we? As we get older, we just are coming apart, and we're, we're perishable, and we're looking forward to that new body. Truth number one, not every Christian will experience physical death if the Lord returns in our lifetime. Truth number two, every Christian will get to mock death. Every Christian We'll get to mock death. Look at verses 54 and 55. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality. I mean, when the resurrection occurs and we get our new bodies, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? You see, even those that have passed that have died in Christ, when that resurrection occurs, I mean, when they get that new body and they're shooting up, I mean, out of the grave to meet the Lord in the air, I mean, they're going to be able to look at that tomb. They're going to be able to look at that grave and say, see, you couldn't hold me. You couldn't hold me. 
Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? And then for those of us, if we're alive, when the Lord returns, I mean, listen, we won't even taste death at all. I mean, we're just going to shoot right up. Death, where is your sting? And the question is, where is the sting? Where's the stinger of death? Well, it's in Jesus. It's in Jesus because he goes on to say in the next verse, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gave us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you 2,000 years ago, Jesus took the sting of death so we would never have to experience the sting. Now, do we, do we taste death? Do we, do we experience a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I'm telling you, the, the, the man I... Conducted the funeral yesterday. I talked with him just about two weeks ago. Uh, prayed with him on Thursday as he passed away Thursday night. Uh, did, did he taste death? Absolutely. But there was no sting for him. In fact, I believe for the child of God, death is simply just a, a transition. I mean from this old life just immediately into the presence of the Lord. You see, the stinger... Is gone. It's, it's like, a, like a hornet or like a wasp that has no stinger. Uh, what, what, what can it do? It, it can annoy you, right? It can, fly, it can annoy you. It can, it can unnerve you. But what can it do to you? Wing you to death? No. <laughs> the sting of death is gone. Amen? The, uh, I have a, a pastor friend. This is many years ago. But his wife suddenly, unexpectedly, tragically passed away. And he had a, a young daughter, probably seven or eight years old, and she was having a very difficult time. And he told the story that one day they were at the store, I think it was like a Walmart or something, and they went outside after leaving the store, and they, as soon as they sat in the car, the little girl said, Daddy, look, look, at, look at the wall. Look at the wall there. And there was a, a big truck behind them. And the way the sun was setting, it cast this huge shadow on the wall of this enormous truck. And she said, look at that enormous or that very big truck, the shadow of that truck on that, on that wall. And it kind of dawned on my pastor friend. He said, honey, let me ask you a question. Would you rather get hit by that truck behind us or that shadow of that truck on the wall. And she started giggling. She says, well, of course, the, the big shadow of the truck, the, the shadow can't hurt you. She said, honey, your mother was hit by a shadow. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Amen. Just a shadow for the child of God. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Every Christian will get to mock death. Number three, every Christian needs to know that it's worth it. Now, what's interesting about 1 Corinthians 15 is the Apostle Paul spends 57 verses talking about the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of of us, of our resurrection. But then he says in verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers... Be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, and you ought to underline this phrase in your Bible, your labor is not in vain. You see, those Christians were facing a great deal of persecution, great deal of trouble, 
great deal of trial. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of persecution because of just simply what they believed. I mean, they were mocked and made fun of. You, you mean you believe in God as a father, as a creator? You believe that God created the universe, the world, the mountains, the seas, the animals, the people, everything in six days? Yes, they believed in the word of the Lord. And friend, and, 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 and probably maybe where you work or maybe some of your neighbors, maybe, maybe they mock you. You mean you believe that God created everything, that God created everything in six days? Absolutely. I believe, listen, I'm so convinced that God can do it. I believe that if God wanted to, he could have created everything in one day and rested six. You, you mean that God, this same God, this same creator sent his son to suffer and bleed and take on the sin of all mankind and he died and then God raised him back to life? Absolutely. And one day this same God's going to raise you to life? Yes. And so, friend, even today, 2,000 years later, there will be those that will mock you and make fun of you. And you know what Paul says? Be steadfast. Be immovable. And always abounding in the work of the Lord. It may be tonight. You, you, you're tired. You're tired of the work. You're, you're tired of living this Christian life. Paul says, listen, don't quit. Don't quit. Here's what he says. Your labor is not in vain. Here's what he says. Let me give you a modern term. This is the new Allen translation. It's worth it. It's worth it. To serve the Lord, to work and, and do the work of the Lord, it's worth it. It's worth it. Let me give you one more verse. We're done. Revelation. Last, last page of the book. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. This is the words of Jesus himself. Look, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me, and I will give each to each person according to what they've done. Listen, it's worth it. Serve the Lord. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Work. Do the Lord's work. Do the work of the Lord. He says, I'm coming again, and when I'm coming, I'm coming to reward those who have faithfully served me. Can I say to you tonight, it's worth it. It's worth it. The church that I pastored for 13 years in Florida, uh, one of the previous pastors uh, was a man by the name of Brother Jack, Brother Jack Whitley, and his name, his wife's name, Helen. And after they retired from pastoring, they moved back to the area and became members of, of the church that I serve. And uh, he, after about a year or two, he asked if he could even be a deacon. And I said, Brother Jack, you were the pastor. You, you don't, he said, I want to serve. And, uh, oh, in fact, uh, Brother Jack, Miss Helen, went to be with the Lord just a couple years ago. Lived to be almost 100 years old. Faithfully served the Lord. I remember one of the first times I went to their home. There was, a, there was in their family room, there was a, a cross stitch. And they had framed. And here's what it said. I've never forgotten it. Working for the Lord doesn't pay much in this life. But the retirement plan is out of this world. I love that. Working for the Lord doesn't pay much in this life. But the retirement plan is out of this world. Be faithful. Be steadfast. Don't quit. Abounding in the work of the Lord. Is it cold in here? Hey, hang meat in here. We should have turned the heat up. Got y'all hot. Say, this is what hell's going to be like. 
Let's pray together. I'm going to ask our worship team to come, and they're going to lead us in a, in a song. I just think we ought to just sing a praise to the Lord. Pastor David and Pastor Jared's going to be up here. It, it may be that you would like one of these guys to pray with you, pray for you. They'd love to do that, love to do that. There may be someone here tonight, and if you'll just be honest right now with yourself, honest with me, honest before God, you don't have the assurance, you don't have the confidence that if and when you die, that you would go to heaven, that you'd have eternal life. As a matter of fact, you may say, Alan, I, I just, I don't have that confidence. And you may ask this, can you know for sure? Can you really know? Absolutely. 1 John 5.13 says this, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. So you can absolutely know. And friend, God doesn't want you to, to live your life doubting, having worries, anxiety about, about death. As a matter of fact, here's the invitation, Mike. Here, here's part of the invitation. You can leave tonight knowing that you are a child of God, born again, saved, and have a home waiting for you in heaven. As a matter of fact, you can write today's date down in your Bible, and you can just know it's settled. So I'm just going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing together. Pastor David, Pastor Jared are here. And all you need tonight is just enough courage to step out from where you are and come to one of these pastors. And they would love to pray with you, speak with you, help you, and you can settle that tonight. You can know for certain that when you die, if the Lord tarries in his return, that you will you'll be with the Lord, eternal life. You can settle that tonight. You've often wondered. In fact, maybe even right now, you're a little anxious about it. Friends, settle it tonight. Why would you live another day when you can have certainty, assurance tonight? In fact, let's just go ahead and stand together. Let me lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that in these next moments, if there are some, maybe a, a dad or a, a mom, man or woman, maybe, maybe a young person, Maybe one of our students here tonight, just, just anxious about this, want it settled. I, I pray, Lord, without hesitation, I, maybe even while I'm praying, they would just step out from where they are and they would just come to one of these pastors and just settle it tonight. Lord, we're so grateful for the promise of the resurrection, the promise of, of eternal life. Lord, we believe, we believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in his sweet, dear son who suffered and bled and died for the sins of all mankind. But God, you raised him back to life. And we believe that as you raised him to life, you're going to raise us. And you're going to give us eternal life with you forever. Lord, help us to, to be steadfast. Help us to be immovable. Help us to abound in the work of the Lord and to know that it's worth it. Lord, in these next moments, as prayers are lifted up,
There may be someone here tonight who just needs a miracle. They need a mountain moved in their life. As we worship in these next moments, I pray that prayers are being lifted up. And for those who need to settle some things in their faith, Lord, they would just do business with you tonight. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.